What's up, guys? Uh, we've <laughs> doing an episode of the Big Ben Strong cast uh, here, and then it's also going to be a cross episode for your my podcast, which I think we landed on uh, the Tuned and Tone podcast. Tuned and Tone podcast. Forward. Yep. There we go. Yep. Well, I'm going to fix this camera a little bit. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, okay, so today we're going to talk about training versus competing and how to recognize the difference um, and why it's important to know which one you're doing. Yep. So, um, hold on. We did the lost episode, the lost episode one podcast, and we haven't really introduced you. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, we've introduced you. Is that correct? Yes. Go okay. for it. Well, my name is Dr. Jen Cavis. Um, I have, uh, good Lord, we can edit this, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I won't, though. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. My name is Dr. Jen Cavis. I have my DM in clinical performance from Florida State University. My master's and my bachelor's are from Arizona State University, also in clinical performance. Um, I... I'm also a certified strength coach and a certified personal trainer, and I'm a trainee for Alexander Technique and Body Mapping. That's what I'm doing here. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... Yeah, let's go forward a little bit. I think this microphone is going to pick us up. Uh, okay, so we're talking about training versus competing yes. and why this is relevant for what I do, which is training athletes, mostly weightlifters, and then what you do, which is uh, teaching music. Mm -hmm. Teaching music and teaching musicians how to be physically healthy. Yes. Both yes. Both things are very important. <laughs> um, so what we want to do first is to define the difference between the two. Yeah. So training, we're going to think of that as building towards the test, especially as weightlifters who compete often. Uh, we want to be spending most of our time in the gym building towards the test. Uh, whereas, you know, and for us, the test is the competition, um, and competition, I guess you, you put this as letting go of training to be in the moment and showing, uh, the hard work that you have put in. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for musicians, this is, I mean, I think it's obvious, but just to say it directly, um, this would be our daily practice sessions, which we go into with the goal of improving things that are weak on mm -hmm. us usually, um, and then the competition would be any performance that we do. It could be a competition, could be an audition, could be solo recital, orchestral performance, doesn't matter. But in the moment, you certainly can't be thinking about what you need to improve on or practicing continuing practice. Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so let's go ahead and talk about the main problem of uh, competing every day. Yeah. Uh, so this is something that you see typically not necessarily in the beginner stage, yeah. um, but it's going to be like from the beginner to intermediate stage. Um, what do you think about that? Well, it, it might be different for music. Um, and I think it also varies on the person, depends mm -hmm. on the personality type. So I will for say sure. with typical musician personality types, whether we are doing it in music or doing it somewhere else, like in a gym, Mm -hmm. um, I see it more in the, it can be in the beginner phase, the intermediate phase is where it starts to crop up. Mm -hmm. I see it as the biggest problem when you get into the advanced and even early professional stages. That's where I see it be the 
biggest problem. I agree. I agree. Um, so actually a lot of mastery is learning to let that go. Yeah. Letting go of competing (laughs) every day and recognizing that if the goal is the competition, you don't want to turn every day into a competition. Mm -hmm. You want to be building towards it. Yeah. Um, so what are some, some symptoms of competing every day? Yeah, I think, um, Really, I think for a lot of people, this starts when you're put into competition for the first time, and then you are suddenly ranked against other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times people take that as this is my value in this specific area. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they get that experience and start getting ranked, it starts to become about, okay, well, I need to do better next time. I want to do better next time. Um, I got fourth and I want to be first or I got first and I need to stay on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when you come to practice session, you're not thinking about what is it that I need to improve on? What is it that I am working on personally that is making me do or feel better? It's mm-hmm. about what um, what can I do to be the best? And whether that's looking at your person who's your biggest rival or whether that's looking at, well, my numbers aren't high enough for the next weightlifting meet because the total this year was such and such number and the total the previous year was such and such number and that's a 20 pound or 20 kilo gap. And mm-hmm. so I need to get a 40 pound jump or right. a kilo jump. Right. Yeah. Pounds and kilos. Sorry. <laughs> Bi- bilingual with the, yeah. with the math. Um, okay. So that's, uh, that's a big one. I think some, some other traits is going to be a burnout is probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the real popular, this, this kind of got real popular back in like 2015, I think was in weightlifting was maxing out every day mm-hmm. because that's what you compete in. So why not just get better at what you compete in by doing that in your training every day? Yeah. And there were some, there were some really, there was one really popular weightlifting coach who, who had a lot of traction. He had some really good athletes mm-hmm. um, and it worked for them for a point. But the same issue pops up every single time is that they get to a really high level very quickly and then burn out immediately or injury, you know, right. when we're working on such a physical level there. Yep. Um, same, same thing. With music. Same yeah. with music. I mean, if you are going into your practice sessions every single day saying, I have to play this piece at this tempo because so-and-so can do it, so I have to do it better. Or even just because that's a number that you want, which is another thing that we're going to talk about, I think, is metrics. Right. Um yeah, you can do it for a while, but you're in that competition mode all the time, which means mm-hmm. you're not thinking about how things are feeling. Right. You're not thinking about improvement or progress. You're thinking about, I have to make this thing happen. And right. usually that leads to physical injury, if you can physically do it, mm-hmm. leads to injury because you're doing so much tension or burnout because you can't maintain it. Right. Uh, and you brought up a really good point is you're always thinking about the competition. Mm-hmm when you're competing in your training every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the biggest issue with that is going to be not being present in your day-to-day life, yeah. especially in your training. If you're always thinking about the competition, right? Your, your lifts on the stage um, and you're doing those lifts in training, you're not really thinking about what you're actually doing when you're doing it. Yes. You're, you're always focused on how is it going to be on the platform. Right which is not ideal. It causes a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, The other big issue with that is 
if you set this big astronomical goal, uh, every single training session is going to feel like a loss because if you're competing in every training session and you're not hitting that astronomical goal every time that you lift, then you're never winning anything. And that can lead to a lot of self-doubt, some depression, um, feeling like you've lost every single time that you do something is not a great way to stay in that. Well, and the honest truth of this is that for musicians and weightlifters and anybody who's putting themselves into anything, we don't come into it because we hate it and we want to punish ourselves. Right. We come into it because we love it and we keep coming back because we love it and it makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. When you take something that you love so much to your very core to the point where you're willing to make a lot of times a lot of sacrifices, personal sacrifices to mm-hmm. make it happen. And then all of a sudden you are losing at that thing every single day. A lot of people get really lost. <laughs> what's the point of sometimes it's what's the point of my life mm-hmm. if the thing that I love is causing me to hate myself and be in pain all the time. Oh yeah, for sure. So I mean, this is not just small problems with progress. It's also major emotional and mental issues can crop up from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and you can, you can see that by following a lot of higher level lifters or musicians. And you can kind of pick, pick that out of what, how they're saying certain things you can really pick out. Are they burning out or is, have they turned this into something that they hate? Right. That's a, and that's, right. that's something you don't really ever want to do with something that you spend right. a majority of your time doing. Yeah. Versus the ones who have had very long and successful careers and are really at the extreme top end of the game. Mm-hmm. When you listen to them talk about their practice and when you see them perform, they still love what they're doing. They're practicing a lot, but they're practicing a lot because they love it and they love it because they're not losing. <coughs> they're not losing day to day. Right. Exactly. So let's kind of, let's move into that is we've talked about the biggest issues of competing every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we do instead? So we define training earlier as building towards the competition. Mm-hmm. That is ideal. Um, so every, every single time that you're in the gym, uh, and you've got your workout, it is best to understand what the intent of that workout is mm-hmm. for the day and for the long-term plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are, these are small goals. This yeah. is not come in and, you know, make right. a PR every single day right. or max out every single day. Right. These are, um, is my right foot moving better today than it was yesterday? Can mm-hmm. I, with my finger placement, can I move this finger and rotate it just a little bit or use less tension in my forearm or articulation? Can I make it a little bit like small, tiny little things, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because you want something that you can do that day that is going to build long-term. You're going to lay a foundation right? and you're going to come away feeling like it's a win. Exactly. So kind of here's an outline of what we do uh, in the gym, at least for our weightlifting team, is every day I've got the workout written up on the board for the different programs that they're on. And at the top is going to be what is the intent of the workout? What are they hoping to get out of this day? Uh, And then we've got the workout listed. And then at the bottom is going to be asking whether or not they accomplished that intent. So whether they won the workout or whether they lost Mm -hmm. Losing is not necessarily a bad thing, uh, but we have to learn something from it. Right. So if the answer is no, then they have to 
uh, write down what they lost. And we, everybody's got training journals, and this is part of part of their daily practice. And I'm trying to get uh, trying to make this much more of a daily thing um, as opposed to infrequent, because I think this is going to be really important is recognizing what the purpose is of a workout mm-hmm. and then recognizing whether or not you accomplished that purpose. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't, what did you learn from it? Yeah. Well, and I mean, we do learn from losing. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's a bad thing. Right. It's only really a bad thing when you stack it every single day. Exactly. Um, and that's, you know, that, that exact same thing is what I do when I assign, whether it's, um, my private students or my college students or my clients, it's, here's what we're working towards this week. Mm-hmm. You come back the next week, you know, here's how you're going to do it. Here's what you're going to look for, small goals. And sometimes they'll come back and it was like, yeah, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Great. Let's figure out why, because that mm-hmm. means that you're missing something that I don't know what you're missing. Yeah. And then exactly. we usually figure it out. And all of a sudden we're back into win mode. Right. But I wouldn't know that until they didn't have a loss. Yeah. Right. Yep. So intention and when that intention fails, find a way to make a win out of it. Right. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so most sessions need to end in a win. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's good to end on a loss to recognize what the problem was. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you structure some, some of your long-term stuff? And then I'll kind of talk about what I do. Uh, so mine is much more... It's much less structured, structured. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of has to be with the way that I teach um, because I'm not necessarily always training people for a competition that mm-hmm. happens at a certain interval. Right. Um, I've got people who are just doing this for fun. I've got some who have very specific goals. Mm-hmm. So it's much more individualized for me. But on a week to week basis, I'm looking at where is this person today? not just with their practice, also mentally, emotionally, because that will affect things and mm-hmm. I won't push things certain days. Right. If they're in a losing mode, I'm going to give them something, and especially if it's been a really bad week, I'm going to give them something that they can do to continue to build their confidence so the clarinet mm-hmm. does not become a problem, so the saxophone does not become a problem. Right. Let's keep the problems out of here. Mm-hmm. But look at where they are. Look at what the biggest issue is with their playing right now. There's usually a bunch of them. You kind of have to triage. Mm-hmm. Maybe do one or two at a time two tops. Um, Give them an assignment that they can do. It's going to challenge them, but they can do it and give them the small intentions so that throughout the week, they're getting a little wins with something that is really just like slightly out of their reach. Right. But they're reaching for it, which is the goal. Mm -hmm. Come back and see where they've gotten to. Usually they've laid a foundation that I can say, great, you've done this. This is what this is for. This next tier is what usually something that they've been wanting to be able to do and they can't because they don't have this level and they don't know it exists. So then they've got a mini win or a midterm win after a couple of weeks of practice. Suddenly it's like, okay, now you can do this. Now we can push towards this thing you've been wanting mm-hmm. a couple more weeks, sometimes a month. Now they can do the thing that they've been wanting. That's a more major win. Um, and then long-term I'm still keeping track of what they need to do in terms of the roadmap because I've been there. Most of the time I can see where they're going. They can't. So I'm like, great, here's a step. Here's the next step. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lay the steps for you to step onto so that you can get from point A to point B. Right. Oh, and you talked about this a little bit earlier is Mm -hmm. that most of the time students don't need to know the roadmap. 
Most of the time, no. Right. Um, it's too much to focus on. It's, it is. It's overwhelming. And yeah. a lot of times I've seen the people who come to me and they, this usually doesn't last very long to be mm-hmm. honest. Usually they want to know why we're doing everything. And I, I explain it to them. And I also explain usually, because it, it's never happened to me where this was not the case. They're so focused on the why that mm-hmm. they're missing the how. Mm-hmm. And they're missing kind of the what. Like, okay, well exactly the you know physical mechanics of articulation with the clarinet if you focus on that you can't do it yeah so let's look at how it feels and what you want to do with it which is be able to have a variety of articulations and we'll make that happen and after a while they stop asking me for specifics Mm -hmm. because they know that i know it's really i think more of a trust thing trust thing yeah like, okay, I trust you as a teacher, know what you're doing with me, and you right. are going to give me things as I'm ready for them. Right. That's that's such a great point. Yeah, I think showing them, like, if your athlete knows the roadmap, that's probably a little bit too much of a problem. Yeah. Usually it's kind of a trust issue. Like, do they actually believe in what you're capable of? Right. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's very natural for that to ebb and flow a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah showing them kind of what the end what the end goal is to move towards right is going to be huge right and i mean you know sometimes people get a little panicked and yep so it's a way to help bring them right. back around yeah you can't keep them totally in the dark right. so if somebody's been making progress and they've got one next step in front of them and you mm-hmm. know it's going to be a hard one yeah okay well you're taking this step because i want to get you to this one two down the road right. Right. which is usually a victory for them mm-hmm. cool and yeah. it motivates them to get up that next step exactly exactly mm-hmm. So, uh, so you, you talked about building in some small wins, yes. um, like almost as a way of tracking your improvement mm-hmm. midway through. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not in the way of like writing down, Oh, I could articulate this pack passage at 100. Now I can do it at 120. That's mm-hmm. maybe a little bit too structured right. for the average person on a regular basis. Right. But just little things where you've had them doing something, you've had them doing something that's hard, mm-hmm. and then you take them back to something that they couldn't do before, which is the reason you have them doing this other thing. Yep. And all of a sudden they can do it. And it's, and, oh, this is important, is that it's, <laughs> this is, and it's not outcome-based, it's feeling-based. Yes. So it's not that yes. they can do something. Right. It's look at how easy this thing yes. is. Not a problem. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. So I kind of do the same thing with our training where we'll, we'll structure. I, I try to go off of 20 week blocks, um, especially for the more advanced athletes. And six weeks of that is going to be off season training, uh, which doesn't really have a lot of check-in points. It's more just about building up the weaknesses that they had uh, kind of developed during the end season. Uh, in season training is about 12 weeks long and we do, a kind of a bigger, a bigger test. We'll call it a medium test 10 weeks in. Um, but every four weeks or so, we're going to have some mini check-ins, which is, um, maybe, maybe one cycle we're working on a tough variation of the snatcher clean and jerk. Uh, and then four weeks later, we're going to retest that same thing. And a lot of the time, even if they don't get a, personal record on it 
they can make the lift feel, make the same weight feel easier than it did before. And so having those little check-ins is a good morale booster for them when training starts to get really tough. Um, and it's a good way for us to track to make sure that what we're doing is actually working. Right. Right. Because if it's not, we need to know. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Well. Yeah. And then you have your competition, which is two-week tapered. Yeah. Yeah. We Training will kind of peak real hard. Um, and we'll do like a little small test. And then we'll have a two-week taper to kind of bring everything back down to down-regulate a little bit. And then... Uh, we'll have the competition and usually when people go into it, they feel super refreshed and ready to hit some big numbers. And my goal is that I never want athletes to hit massive personal records in training because there's just no point to it. I think that that should be safe for the platform. So that means that every single training session leading up to it should be leading towards and building confidence towards taking big PRs on the platform. Which is a little different from what we do. Right. 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 How, so what is the difference for you? Well, I would say that a lot of people, okay. It depends on how we define PR in the music business. Mm -hmm. Um, this, if PR this is, kind of is interesting, actually. if first, and for some people, this is true. Yeah. If a PR is playing it higher, faster, louder, you know, right. that's the one that we always go to. Um, then no, you don't want to have that on stage because you're probably not ready for it. Right. If the PR is, this was the, absolute cleanest you have ever performed this thing mm -hmm. and you are mentally and emotionally present mm -hmm. then yeah we want that yeah. <laughs> we want yeah. that you know That's huge. um but you know if that's not also happening in the practice sessions mm -hmm. too then that's an issue right so it's a, it's just it's a little bit different right it um, sounds kind of like because with weightlifting and anytime you're moving heavy weights that atmosphere gives you the extra strength versus with us it can be dangerous because mm -hmm. it can push you to do stuff that you're not ready for your right. body doesn't know what it feels like right well this also kind of brings up an interesting topic in that there's not very many sports where the training is the same thing as the competition right um which is tough because you know for training for a weightlifting competition your competition is snatch and clean and jerk mm -hmm. um when you're training you need to be doing that at least at least three times a week in season off season. I don't think you should do much of it at all. Um, and it can be tough in that in season when you're doing snatch and clean and jerk every day. So it, it has to be, it has to be structured in a way that you're looking at building up on it and not just maxing out or lifting as heavy as possible in that session. Um, but that that's where the burnout comes in is I think when your training is the same as your competition, Yeah, there are just some sports where that's kind of built into how it, how it works. Yeah. You know, CrossFit is one of those. Okay. Uh, weightlifting is one of those. Um, music, I think it can be one of those. It can be. Yeah. Um, there are certainly people who compete every single practice session. Right. They're in competition mode and right. it has the same problems that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. um, but there are also those who, and this is actually one other thing that I do want to bring up, um, is the balance between practice or training and competition. Mm -hmm. Um because there are people who will continue to practice during their performance and you can see that they're continuing to do that because they're not present mm -hmm. in, in that there's, there's a certain level of presence that goes along with I'm here and this is where we are and I'm going to play how I am, you know, for you right now with this piece. Um, 
And you can't do that if you're still trying to practice it mm -hmm. while you're performing. Yep. Uh, so, I don't know. Is there anything you want to add before we get into that? No. Okay. Um, so, for me, I'm not sure this is true for you. I assume it's true for you. Um, there is a certain level of competition prep that has to happen before you go into the audition, before you go into the performance, whatever it is. Um, Are you talking about on the day of? Not on the day of. That's that's a different thing. There's uh, there's mental games that we kind of all have to go through mental prep. Everybody's a little different. I still believe that. But in terms of leading into it, so you've done four or five months of mm -hmm. work to get ready for this major performance, sometimes less, but we won't split hairs. And now you're about to go in there and you have never tried to play this under pressure before. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a problem. Right. So you're either going to freak out and not be able to do it at all, or mm -hmm. you're going to do a practice session in front of your judges, whoever right. those may be. So for me, the answer to that is that as you are approaching it, maybe within, for me, it's about two weeks, mm -hmm. depending on the piece. If it's really, really tough, I'll start a month before. Um, playing for people, mm -hmm. not on a day-to-day -day basis, maybe once a week. People that you trust who still make you nervous mm -hmm. because even then if you fail in front of them, it's not a huge loss because they're going to come back at you and say, try this. This was great. This is where you need to focus, you mm -hmm. know. Um, we do the same yeah. thing. We did the same thing in our training as uh, leading up to the competition just to make sure that people are on point with this is uh, in competitions. You've got judges for weightlifting. Mm -hmm. Um and one of the big things that you have to do is you have to wait for the down signal, which uh, you have to you stand up your lift, hold it overhead, wait for the judge to say down, and then you can drop the bar. And if you don't do that, then it counts as a no lift, even if it was successful. Mm -hmm. um, so we do kind of the same thing where there's some pressure. Mm -hmm. We'll set up a judge in the middle, have make sure that they're okay with like lifting directly in front of somebody. Yeah. Because um, that'll yeah. throw people off all the time. Yeah. Uh, and we just kind of build in some pressure. We also do uh, a really fun, at least for me, um, pressure test, which is uh, they get three lifts at a weight. And if two out of the three are good, then they get to move on to the next and move up in weight. And if it's not good, if they lose two out of three of the lifts based on some markers that we go off of for performance or for the judging, um, if they lose that, then they've got to, then they've got to do some sleds, uh, <laughs> some sled drags and sled pushes, and which is not fun, and nobody wants to do it, and it adds a slight level of pressure. Um, yeah, except for <laughs> you. it adds a slight level of pressure to actually make make your lifts look and feel good. Uh, Anything that you can do to up the pressure is yep. good. I mean, I don't always play for musicians. Sometimes right. it's family yeah. members who have no clue what they're listening to. Yeah, yeah. Especially if it's some weird experimental piece, which is you know my bread and butter. Right. <laughs> Well, and that's doesn't matter. Just having somebody stare at me. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'll tell them, yes, stare at me like I'm doing really, really badly. Right. But, <laughs> but this is really important. You can't do this for the whole prep. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's no, how no. you turn it into competition. Yes. So it's got to be, it has to be peppered throughout. Yeah, exactly. And this mm -hmm. is, if you're still younger, this is part of the benefit of having a really good mentor. Because mm -hmm. I do this with my students. I know when they're at that point where it's like, okay, we need to amp up the pressure on you. You've got this performance in a couple weeks. Yep. Here's how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. we put them in a situation that they're not comfortable with. Sometimes it's just me and them in a room. And I'm like, 
okay, go outside. You're going to come in. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say a word to you. You're going to come in. You're start, going to start playing for me. I'm not going to tell you what to do next. You need to know what to do next. <laughs> and they get nervous. I'm like, yeah. that's just me. That We've been working together for years. 100%. Like, yeah. no. yep. <laughs> we get done and they're almost always shaking. I'm like, okay, deep breath. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. We're fine by the end. We've turned it into a win. So, yeah. The prep needs to happen with the pressure too. But yep. not all the time. It can't be daily. Nope. That's how you turn it into a competition every day. Mm -hmm. um, well, we're getting kind of towards the end of our time. Yeah. So real quick, we'll recap this. Um, the way to make sure that you are not competing every day is establish the win for the training session. Uh, and then at the end of the training session, establish whether or not you accomplished that win. And if you didn't, what did you learn from it? That's, that's the short of how to make sure that you are not uh, going to end up with some burnout or anxiety about your competition. So those are the, that's the best thing that we can do there. Yep. Is there anything else you wanted to add? I think that's it. No. Okay. Um, guys, thanks for listening all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, you can follow the gym at big bend strength and conditioning uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And you Jen? can find me um, at tuned and toned performance. Um, that is both on Facebook and Instagram. That's tuned with a D and toned with a D. Uh, we also have our website, which is tunedandtonedperformance.com. Mm -hmm. uh, check us out. We got private lessons for clarinet and saxophone, and we've got um, for any performing artists, dance, theater, music, um, physical training. If you're having dysfunctions or pain, or just want to avoid them, that's what we do. Yep. And uh, I work with athletes, so if you are uh, in high school or middle school and you want to get started training for your sport and doing it in a safe and effective way, uh, hit me up. Uh, website is www.bigbendsc.com. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Yay.